Fat man, arise! <laughs> How the fuck we doing? Ah, oh, fantastically, fantastically. Uh, I did hear it. I watched the episode last night, and okay. what I have here in front of me as well is a transcript of the episode from DeviantArt.com. No shit. Yeah. Okay, that's fucking sick. Above and beyond the Call of Duty, this is going to be a fucking fun, chaotic episode. We've got like we're we're basically going to have a roundtable, fantastic. So, uh, waiting for the the others to trickle in here. Got uh, let's see. Throw on my uh, rare ass shirt. Hell yeah, fucking love it. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the ones that was in Brace's basement for uh, most of 2020, dude. It's so sick. I'm I've been so true and on build lately, man. Oh, without it's, a doubt. It's fucking wonderful. All that Boston Bomber, uh, that recent series, that's really interesting too. I haven't listened to that yet because I've been so like I've been so busy. Like that they were they were trickling those episodes out during like the busiest week of my life. So I gotta I've gotta catch up on it. I actually sheepishly I, I need to subscribe to their Patreon yet. I haven't, good, I haven't done it yet. It's I know good. it's worth it. It's like one of the most worth it podcast Patreons to subscribe to. So I got to do it. Yeah, without a doubt. And for five bucks, you get so much, so much content. Yeah, like five bucks is like an absurdly steal of a price to uh, to pay for that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, Street Fight has a pretty good Patreon too. They um, they do a ton of miniseries. Like, there's one. Uh, where they go through uh, various episodes of the show Real Sex from HBO. Dude, that show is fucking ridiculous. Yes. And like the one guy, the one host, Brian, he's like very, um, he describes himself as prudish, um, anxious about his own sexuality, that sort of thing. So just like the guests sort of put him on the spot and make him answer questions about, uh, you know, sexuality and uh what he was doing when he was sneaking watching episodes of Real Sex. God. Yeah. I remember back for, for like people in in my age cohort, I don't know if it's the same for you, but um, that show was like, was like weirdly, weirdly coveted. Like I remember people would like, it was like a badge of coolness if you had gotten to watch it. Exactly, because it also meant your parents sprung for HBO, too, which automatically made you cool. Absolutely, no yeah. doubt. What's and going then, on, Luke? What's up, uh, party rockers? Just uh, yeah. being just being in the house tonight. Hey, um, let, let's, let's get this out of the way. Are you, are you team party rockers in the house tonight, or team party rock is in the house tonight? Unfortunately, I have to go with party rock is, because I listen to that song so many times when I worked at Hot Topic that I had to accept the reality that it is party rock is in the house tonight. Party rock is in the house. Yeah, it's it's this is this is an is podcast. So you made the right uh, you made the right answer. <laughs> yeah, party that's, rock that's truly good to know. is in the house tonight. Yes, unquestionably. This is uh this has been a long time coming. We have we have uh, theoretically also Peter. And potentially, potentially Dan. I think Dan Dan is down down bad with some some sickness, mm. probably from listening to too much Disturbed. David Draymond. Wait, what? Tell, yeah. tell, tell this story. 
I I am blocked on Twitter by David Draymond. Oh hell yeah, that's <laughs> that rules. Yeah, that's so, a powerful one to be blocked by. Yeah, I know. So you are aware he's a hardcore Zionist, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, news to me. Doing like a blanket <laughs> block of anybody who'd ever said anything remotely positive about Palestinians. Oh no. Yeah, and oh, that no. included me. <laughs> that's that's insane when people do yeah. those keyword blanket blocks. But no, yeah, Draymond is like is like the he's bought into the entire like Fox News ideological bundle. Um, so yeah, it's unsurprising if you yeah. know if you if you know that 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 music basically just sounds like Mountain Dew. Yeah, in the bad way, not in the good way that Pantera sounds and like. I become indestructible. Ooh, no, yeah, that's that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> getting getting blocked on Twitter by David Draymond. Thank you. Um, this is actually this episode is actually sponsored by um, David Draymond's de- derogatory uh, corn corn nuts. <laughs> there's <laughs> corn nuts that are that'll make you say thank you um they're they're spicy they'll maybe feel like you're down with the sickness they'll maybe even make you feel disturbed are they flavored with harissa not from uh palestine though <laughs> mm-hmm. not funny i'm sorry <laughs> just kidding it was very funny um Welcome everybody to a very special episode of Master Shake Theater. Um, one of the uh, reigning panel of of Aqua Teen Hunger Force podcasts, um, in tandem with Dancing Is Forbidden, um, which we do not have a fake beef with yet. <laughs> we'll have to see how history unfolds. Um, today we're talking about the uh, final episode of season one um episode 18 cybernetic ghost of christmas past from the future um aired on one of the last days of 2002 december 29th in this episode a robot comes over and causes carl's house and swimming pool to fill with blood one of the most iconic episodes of the show one of the most quoted episodes of the show. Uh, I'm your host, Jim. With us, we have very special guests, Nick, who is holding various knives. Uh, great, <laughs> which is a great Zoom bit. He just has a rotation of knives. Um, it's like and, I'm at the flea market. Hell yeah. Both. This is exciting. Yeah. And uh, and a fellow who is is rapidly becoming kind of uh, our quaternary host of the, of the show, uh, Luke. Luke, hello again. See you again, long time no see. I'm going to see you yesterday and today, and uh, then like three days before that. Yeah, in the <laughs> it's been a whole it's been a whole week. 
it's been a whole I, I ran it i also uh, may it please the court that i, I briefly ran into uh, nick at the at the grocery store yesterday so I was, uh, uh, purchasing energy drinks cheese dip and uh, tackies i was i was purchasing <laughs> uh i was purchasing root beer and cliff bars so what, what what root beer though this is important yeah. <laughs> fucking kroger brand i would that's, see, that's fine that's fine I, no yeah i because it's the it's the big k zero sugar oh um, dude yep yeah because yeah. like i i don't name brand pop is fucking expensive like that's terrible like, I, I think i feel like i've talked about this on on this pod before and it bears repeating because this is a pod about um about soda uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> name brand pop is like fucking seven dollars a twelve pack. It's like, insane. I don't, I don't care like how much fuck you money you make, and nobody has fucking dimes for that, dude. There's no, it's not, it's not a thing. I splurged um, on Aldi ginger beer yesterday, and that was like oh. almost five dollars for a four pack, and I was like, this is insane. You know, but there is still a, not that bad. There's a Kroger uh, sparkling. Uh, well, it's not sparkling. It's one of their seltzers. They used to have both Dr. Pepper and root beer seltzer. Yeah. Which were Dude, I, both very good. Yeah. Those are really good. And I don't know where the fuck they went, man. I'm no, so man. mad. Yeah. I'm so mad that they're gone because I was really just getting into them. They, they got me through though, man, that mm-hmm. those seltzers because of their low, low price point yeah. got me through my, like my like six months as a starving artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, now I have LaCroix money again. So, hey. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really, really excited to talk about this episode, man. Um, so am I. Fucking ridiculous episode. It's kind of crazy, crazy how this, this season just is on like an exponential upward uh, quality trend. And like, dude. It's such a great fucking crescendo with this episode. The like the 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 Danzig cameo in itself, mm-hmm. like you couldn't have ended season one any stronger if you tried. Yeah, because I mean, I recall the show being set in New Jersey too, right? Like, like right. So like, it, yeah, it just makes sense that he's there, New Jersey, as Glenn Danzig, right? <laughs> he's this five four martial artist weirdo goth dude. He is New Jersey. He is a mafia tie away from being New Jersey. <laughs> from being, yeah, literally being New Jersey. Yeah, I think that, <laughs> I, I really do think that especially because um, this, this show seeks to sort of elevate um, all of the more marginal aspects of New Jersey, which is most of the experience of being in, in and of that state. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Danzig Danzig is such a great microcosm of that. The yeah. Danzig cameo could not could not have been any better. Jersey's <laughs> finest son, Glenn Danzig. That's the fucking <laughs> editorial <laughs> stance of this podcast. There was a point like the early to mid two thousands. I seem to recall, and I could be completely misremembering something here, but just the concept of New Jersey kind of being a joke. Oh, it was yeah. That was a big thing yeah. for a long time. Yeah, just like the concept of New Jersey and people listening to "It's Tricky" by Run DMC, just in movies. <laughs> I I feel like, 
that might have that made a that might have kind of permanently imprinted on my psyche because I don't I don't think that 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 the concept of Jersey being like the butt of many jokes has ever really left. Like I truly feel like Jersey might have gotten into the zeitgeist a little more because of Jersey Shore, etc., and Real Housewives of New Jersey. Like there there might like there's a like maybe a more active conversation around around that. Um, around the concept of Jersey in a more monocultural way because of those shows. But I don't know. Either way, like, this show is the best ambassador in television for Jersey there's ever been. No sure. Doubt. Yeah. We've, I got, think- we've, got, we've got Peter for real here. What's going on, yeah. sir? My, my computer needs to replace, and I'm, I've been too lazy to do it. So we're going to do it on the phone instead, I think. That is that is completely fine i literally did this podcast on my phone for the first fucking year and um the one of the bits that we do is james literally always does it from his phone as well so yeah i think the audio will be better anyway yeah love it it's good to see your face it's been a minute it's been a real minute i think the last time that i saw you was like seven years ago at howard's on christmas oh yeah that that makes sense that's that was like the only time I was coming to BG, I think. So, yeah, for sure. Um, it's and and incidentally, three of three of us in here, you, me, and Nick, are all going to be bunking together at the at the tied down gig in June. So, fantastic. Um, or yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm really really pumped about that. That's coming up quickly. God, mm-hmm. time is fucking zooming by. Yeah, I, I yesterday I was like, oh, I better like uh uh request time off for that and then i was like oh shit this is so much faster than i thought it was yeah it's amazing how april just kind of like went in one ear and out the other for real i can't (laughs) can't believe it's almost fucking may it's absurd and like i thought that may was going to be chill but a bunch of things happened today Mm -hmm. and now may is not going to be chill anymore so it's Mm -hmm. uh, good problems to have but still um, we were just we were just catching up about the concept of Jersey and um, how wonderful of an ambassador for Jersey Glenn Danzig is. Um, <laughs> I think this this episode had a cultural impact, at least on like quirked up alternative fucking white high schoolers oh, uh, oh yeah. that that was completely outsized and impossible to ignore, like. Yeah. Yeah, it was I, a it was a big one. I think that uh this is this is hands down the best cold open yet. Um <laughs> I I love how they're 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 gradually trickling in the 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 term arise because that obviously becomes more right uh, more of an operating thing in, in certain subsequent episodes. Um I love, I'm just kind of going through ticker tape style, the things that I thought were lit about this episode, and then we can have a more fucking open discussion. Um, I love the fact that Carl had male pattern baldness as a kid. As a kid. <laughs> like, I don't know how old he's supposed to be in that cutaway, but it appears that he's supposed to be like 10. And I think that like, um, I mean, I knew, I knew people who were balding in high school. So I guess that's, that's not too far from reality, but um I, uh, really great, really great quotes. I remember eating carpet 
Carl. <laughs> um, I think that this is one of the only shows that could have ever in good conscience pulled off like a Christmas Carol gag, right? Like it is such an obvious and hackneyed like and cliched thing to do. And I think that the fact that, that this episode is um, executes so well on just being a bit about the Christmas Carol speaks volumes to how much cultural capital and how much like writing acumen this show has at this point. Um, oh yeah. But it's also, also like, it's so in, in its own weird, like, way it's super disconnected from the source material like it's the most insane version of a christmas carol you could want mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. it's like one of the only treatments of christmas carol that can still be like novel and interesting even like 20 years ago obviously the concept of has already been had already been shot right oh yeah um also the fact that like the 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 show does not care how how tacky and how gauche it is to just do two christmas episodes in a row like <laughs> because it's in, it's literally impossible for this show to be gauche because it is so far in that direction that there's just nothing there's it's really proving that it, it's sort of in a it's a post camp show right it is so campy in every way that you cannot actually accuse it as being campy i mean it's <laughs> one of the first examples you have of them completely fucking with the audience yeah Absolutely. Right, like, which becomes a huge thing in, like, I think it's season four where the Aqua Teens aren't even there for, like, six episodes or something. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, and it, it frankly, it gets me excited to, to really, to go through that show in a linear way. Because, like, a thing that, the thing that I went into this whole era of the pod with is the, the fact that I don't have a cohesive memory of watching the show in a linear way when it was coming out. I watched the episodes like I've probably seen most of the episodes of the show, but I didn't like watch the show in any kind of ritual way where I was where it felt like I was consuming the episodes in like a regimented manner. So I'm really excited to get taken for the narrative ride as the show progresses and get pulled. Oh, it's, it's a, it's a real treat because it kind of does circle back on itself sometimes. And it is somewhat cohesive in story, but at the same time, it's like all over the fucking place. It's, it's a real treat to like watch it in sequence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, technically it ended recently. Right. Yeah. And yeah. technically now it's going again. Yeah, technically yeah. it's back. I, I mean, the, the break between its ending and its coming back was shorter than the break between some of the seasons, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I like, have a distinct memory of having to take out just like the DVD of it when uh, Video Spectrum was still around. Yeah. The first three seasons uh, available. And, you know, I also wasn't allowed to watch TV uh, all that much when I was, you know, you know 12 15 or so you know god must have been nice yeah. i got my brain so fucking worked by how much beavis and butthead i watched when i was single digit <laughs> age like 100 percent one of the reasons i'm such a shit poster it's just beavis and butthead the original the original meme guys um i like i'm i'm like a big because we started this because I started my journey into Adult Swim with Space Ghost and Sea Lab, 
I'm obsessed whenever there's a funny fucking animation angle. And I think when Carl is face palming, that's it's like that like had me fucking cackling for whatever reason. Just like subtle things like that. With this show being as blown out as it is, <laughs> it's I feel like it's extra pleasing when there's subtle stuff. I seem to recall one episode where uh, Frylock just has his goatee shaved off. God. We, yeah, it's <laughs> perpetually silly, you know? It's fucking tremendous. Yes. Um, I love the fact that this villain, uh, in keeping with a lot of this, like the styling around Adult Swim villains, this villain's just a punisher. This villain's just, this, this villain is just, uh, this robot is just, just tells stories that are way too fucking long. And I love the fact that so many Adult Swim villains are their like main takeaway is that they're just socially repellent. I think that that's the funny, <laughs> the fucking funniest thing. Oh yeah, yeah like if you if you came guy. across him in a hallway, it's like nah, this this guy fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Peter, one of our great shared experiences is you and I have you and I have shared space with some of some of history's greatest punishers, and I love the fact that I can I can occasionally like throw out a tweet being like i wonder what that guy's up to and like it's you and sponsler are going to be the only people who know who the fuck i'm talking about this this character very much reminds me of someone that i know you remember from bowling green uh who was perpetually in college um, yes who wrote a science fiction novel yep (laughs) yep (laughs) i'm yeah, it is fucking it's a vibe. That's the, <laughs> the, the first that's the first person this reminded me of too. And I knew that you and I were gonna be able to cross the streams on that. Um it's actually wonderful. This this pod is 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 great because um like like most of the things that happen in my life creatively, it is I get to have, I get to facilitate these sort of like fever dream conversations with people from like, who are relatively marginal in my life in the past, who, because of this podcast have become like way more, way more prominent and getting to like go through the like dusty halls of like memories of a decade plus in the past is just really, really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big fan. Um, (laughs) I, I love when Frylock's when Frylock asks who unionized, and then <laughs> and then the robot you like to know? flaps back with probably your mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a just like pretty endless. I feel that literally the second half of my notes is just quote quotations. There's so many good quotes in this episode. Like when they first come out to the pool full of blood, and <laughs> Shake just goes, "That my friend." is blood or is it the other way around i can't just relax listen this is totally not a big deal (laughs) god i love when the ghost wakes carl up at the beginning and the ghost is like i am going to tell you of christmas's past well you forget what he starts with too yeah he's carl's just like batman arise (laughs) unbelievable Mm -hmm. um 
<laughs> I left cookies and milk for a machine. <laughs> Meatwad is the only one who's paying attention to his story. <laughs> um, Meatwad is um, much like, I, I feel like much like Stormy, Meatwad is in this wonderful position where he can shapeshift into occasionally being the smartest person in the room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, that happens throughout the show. It's so uh, good. <laughs> couldn't make machines with their crinkled hands <laughs> i told you earlier it was the great circuiting like that's such a classic punisher thing to like expect people to remember the fucking bullshit story that you were just told them two minutes ago like making just completely un like unrealistic expectations of people's short-term memories uh and that is where the babies come from for machines <laughs> I mean, there's one point in it where, and I have always been very confused about this line where the ghost just out of nowhere just says, forevermore, sanctionados. <laughs> and it's like, what are you talking about? It's, that's like, yeah, that, that threw me for a loop as well. Um, probably some sort of like inside baseball bit yeah. for, the, for the writers, which I'm, you'd be surprised that there's not more of that kind of stuff. Or maybe there is, and they're just so subtle with it to where like it's it gets woven in. But um, I like a, a theme that we keep bumping into in this pod and doing doing this pod twenty years past these, these episodes of the show is that there's a whole lot uh, to the cycle of history that makes uh, a lot of the topics in this show look pretty prescient, and the union conversation. Uh, given where things are at presently is oh, yeah. pretty it's a pretty fun pretty fun callback i mean i've been saying for years actually that like if you want to like understand the experience of being a millennial in their 20s it's this show yes like Absolutely. everybody like lived in a weird house with a bunch of like gross strange roommates yeah like everyone had a weird neighbor and was just living this psychotic life of like no purpose and no future yes yeah weird that's... randos entering in and out sometimes physically entering <laughs> yeah. in and out you know man of that's, the, uh, that, that my mind there. is exploding right now yeah i mean like i feel like a definitive aspect of the millennial experience at least for you know for the types of people who watch this show aka fucking weirdos um like us is just like having a having a really colorful cast of you know characters that you know weave themselves in and out of your life in ways that are sometimes really obtrusive and really abrasive and like yeah peter you're right on the nose like this this show captures that aspect of the experience perfectly and i i love the i love the fact that like that's what you, <laughs> that's what you elevated that's what you elevator pitched you're like being a guest on the show <laughs> as me on the basis of because it's like that's fucking real it like, is straight up one of the realest aspects of the show um at the end of the day like that's what's great right is that this show does a really you know really well executed surrealist treatment of very real themes right like Especially. Yeah, and I know I know most of you guys probably haven't seen the quote unquote last episode of this show, but it like drives that point home. Like so when you get there, like oh yeah, 
No, I, I have, and you're absolutely right. Um, I love the fact uh, we talked about this in the episode that we did that Luke and I did um, the other day, but I, I love the fact that they've rebooted the show ostensibly on YouTube. They're putting out new content and it's really fucking good. Um, yeah, I, I watched it. I watched it uh, yesterday afternoon and it's so good. It's such a treat to have it back. They're, they're playing all the hits, man. They're playing like they're putting in all the good characters and bits that really like make uh, <clears throat> make the show breathe. I think it's beautiful. Um, I <laughs> I think that it's funny that Meatwad is the only person, by the way, the only character who's able to keep up with the story. Like, he's the <laughs> only person who who has everything memorized that the fucking robot said. And I think to touch on what we talked about yesterday, I think Meatwad is paying so much attention. Because he loves Christmas so much. Mm. He thinks this is like part of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, shit, dude. That's relatable. Because if I had been a kid as Meatwad... Uh, oh, yeah. It, like, yeah. I, I probably would have been in a similar position, knowing the way that I was as a child, where, like, if some fucking... If some kook uh, came into my life and told me this really abstruse story about Christmas... I'd probably take take heavy notes too and believe right. it. You accidentally wander into like the den while Pete Pop's having a bourbon and eating like cocktail weenies when you're like seven. And he's like, all right, let me tell you this story that's completely disconnected from Christmas, but it's actually about Christmas. Yeah. That's I mean, happened. That has happened. Guaranteed. Yeah. I've always related a ton to Meatwad in general, just because like I do feel like I have an internal just like magnet for uh absolute lunacy all the time. Just constantly you and me all. both, brother. <laughs> like you and me the both. Absolute craziest person in the room. Just to whatever I'm putting out. The, the, you know, just like I, I approach almost everything at face value, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I I fully relate to just, I, I would also be in that same meatwad position, you know? I would be absolutely listening along, taking notes, getting a snack <laughs> to ensure that i can you know pay the most attention possible you know being in that same meatwad position mm-hmm. love love to see it yep. um i like that that there's also a stolen land conversation <laughs> that, that <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's something that was not in the fucking and that's not on the cultural radar at all so mm-hmm. it's really funny to me now given that we have a very lively conversation around that 20 years later um I some 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 more really good Carl quotes. Uh, that's just what I want to do. Get nude in your house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, yeah. Let me talk to my blood guy here. <laughs> um, obviously, the most iconic quote to this up to this point in the show. Now, uh, is there any way to get the blood to flow up the walls? Up the walls. <laughs> <laughs> like besides besides mcp pants quotes i think that that's like it's got to be one of the most quoted lines from the entire fucking show oh yeah if my my lived experience is any indication right like that was definitely like 2004 lunchroom quote of the year as far as just like people yelling it at each other in school (laughs) um the the robot has become a blood dealer now and that's a really great 
uh, sort of snapshot of how <laughs> demand works, especially like the crazy sort of horror show that supply and demand are in the current day. Mm-hmm. How like you can just again, the show does a lot of forecasting accidentally of of the very boring dystopia that we live in now, and like um, you can just spin up an absurd amount of demand for anything if you build the right flavor of hype around it now and i think that's hilarious oh yeah and a pl- plus i mean a uh, a house with a three and a two you know fantastic it really is a buyer's market out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> fucking absolutely um meatwad as a ghost goes hard yep i was just gonna bring that up <laughs> dancing <laughs> and um fucking man it's just it's just good I, I that's like i can't i can't get over what a what an absolutely wild ride this season was i can't get over the fact that we've gone up so momentously the show started off really good got immeasurably better over the course of the season and we're not anywhere near the upper limit um, and that's that's a much better position to be in than we were at the end of season one with C-Lab, where it's very much like, oh, yeah, it's going to be this season, and then there's going to be a big chunk of next season that's good, and then the show is going to fall right the fuck off. Yeah. Like, just overall, like, any kind of verdict on this show versus C-Lab, just because that's the set of lenses that we're sort of using on this pod, like, it's pretty unbelievable to me how much talent, how much writing acumen and just how much raw power gets harnessed in this, in even just the first season of this show and how much of a cultural phenomenon this show became over the course of the first year of it existing. It's like really insane. And I mean, I'd like to briefly touch on uh, Aqua Teen and music, if that's all right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, mean, I would love that. Okay. So first off, let's, let's jump back to 2002 for the moment, right? It's 2002. You know, the Misfits haven't been around for some time, right? Danzig's doing Danzig. And, you know, My Chemical Romance is starting to rise up, right? And I feel like this was the beginning, one, not only of the whole, you know, classic bands, uh, like, you know, the Misfits, for example, being a better t-shirt than band, but also just the fact that Aqua Teen always seemed to make cutting edge choices with the music as well. Uh, I'm specifically recalling the movie soundtrack, which featured Unearth, um, uh, what, I think yeah. it was Super Chunk, Mastodon, Mastodon Day, yeah. Mike, uh, the Hold Steady, yeah, Mastodon, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like a fucking, that's like a who's who of bands that like everybody who's into good music in our generation is into. Exactly. Yeah, like, all of their like music guest stars, you know, like like the the musicians that they have on the show as characters, like they're always like shockingly good examples of like the people that like weirdos talk about all the time. Because like Danzig, I think was less known by like the average person on the street in two thousand two, but like weirdos would make jokes about Danzig. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that like Shake is constantly talking about Getty Lee, mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> or the several Andrew WK appearances. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which, I mean, fucking talk about somebody who was, who has occupied a completely unique, singular piece of cultural real estate this entire time. But, like, the level of, the level of fucking popular that Andrew WK was in 2002, like, I feel like that's, that's kind of hard to comprehend now. Kind of similar to how this show was. Like, Andrew WK is actually a really great analog to this show. Because there's something compl- like that at the time seemed completely novel and in a way kind of was. And they just they garnered a, a level and a flavor of popularity that had been like completely unseen up to that point. I think that I think that shit was beautiful. I remember like even as a you know naive 13-year-old being really like captivated by the way that culture was changing in 2002. It really like left an impact on me. To the point where I'm like, I'm pretty fucking, if you know me, um, anybody hearing the sound of my voice knows that I'm pretty hagiographic about that year. Like, I think it, like I, I, I readily talk about how it's like the peak of Western civilization and this season of Aquatine and the ascendancy of people like Andrew WK is like, there's, those are big parts of it. Definitely looking at 2002 through Aquatine Hunger Force classes really does kind of like amplify how crucial like 2001 to like 2004 2005 was for so many people just like a cultural a real like acceleration period like that i don't i don't think that has really been matched in a in any kind of way except maybe what we're currently living through but we won't know about that for a right years. i don't think yeah, I mean, much of this stuff happens in hindsight and it's 9 11 must be part of it, right? Oh, yeah, you yeah. can't discredit 9 11. And there was Perhaps. this sort of blending of like high and low culture that was occurring at this time, too, you know? Yeah, for yeah. kind of the first time, right? Like yeah. for the first time in this way, right? Because, first off, to write a show like Aqua Teen, you have to have a very, you know, dumb sense of humor, you might say, right? But you also have to be incredibly smart to be able to write it in a way that's actually appealing, too, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, you really hit the nail on the head about like the, where the craftsmanship comes from, Mm -hmm. right? It's taking like, taking all these really lowbrow assumptions about like what constitutes culture and how the world is, and then filtering them through like an enormously highbrow sensibility of like Mm -hmm. how to construct texts and how to can how to make a text a proper cultural artifact which sure as the day is long this fucking show is better than just about any cultural text ever oh yeah and i mean it would be so easy for just some stoner in 2002 and i've seen so many similar cartoons to this right uh you know the slim shady show immediately comes to mind which was an awful m&m web series uh (laughs) for a short time uh, but you know it'd be so easy for just some dumb guy to hop on make a stupid like little cartoon and you know just some dumb inside joke or whatever but like every single person here has said there is that internal consistency to aqua Teen. there is that whole uh random side characters drifting in and out that mirrors reality that mirrors being a weirdo 20 something in 2002 it's it's very we we i've flirted with saying it this way but it's sort of coming to me 
in these words right now, it's very clear from jump that the writers on this show just have this like ironclad creative vision, right? But that doesn't get revealed to us wholesale right away. And we actually get taken along the journey and we pieces of that vision get revealed to us incrementally and the picture gradually solidifies Mm -hmm. um, over the course of the show. And like, not to, not to repeat myself, but I think it bears repeating in this context. You see that in these really meteoric pop culture phenomenon, just sort of as a quantum unit, right? Like if you, any, any sort of piece of pop culture that gets larger than life, that has this level of impact um, shares that sort of really cohesive vision that gets dripped out into the public consciousness. And that, again, going back to what I said last episode, current, current day version of that is turnstile, right? To tie that, to tie that into a world that we all know, mm-hmm. like turnstile, we're seeing that play, play itself out right now with them very clearly just like super fucking super tight vision on what they want to do. And it's sick because like when, once you start figuring that vision out, it feels like a party. So. They keep like turnstile kind of like the same way that Aqua Teen like slowly kept bleeding and bleeding into like wider audience turnstile is too, because they're fucking on tour with my chemical romance. Yeah. That's like massive. (laughs) They're like, similar to odd future too actually oh yeah that's another good example yeah i mean the really really uh really prominent critical voices have basically coined turnstile as this decade's analog to odd future there's like so many parallels there in terms of the way that they sort of crafted and then pursued their artistic vision that's so wild to think about yeah, yeah like I don't know if you guys remember the first time Odd Future was on TV. I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel. And I like think... people were freaking out because they had no idea what they were seeing unless that you was had, like, like been in on the mixtapes. That was um yeah, that was like 20 late 2010, right? Yeah, yeah that sounds right. Cuz I, I was... remember at the very end of 2010, I went out to Chicago to see um to see tim and eric live on the puss whip bang gang tour and then uh and the crim the crim the crimbus tour and then that same week i also saw ariel pink um and then i remember one of the things that i did when i was on that trip was like we like huddled in my buddy's apartment around the computer and watched that odd future appearance and then like went down the rabbit hole and watched a whole bunch of odd future music videos on youtube and i so i remember that moment very distinctly and i remember it being very a very like what the fuck moment like clearly i was witnessing something that was gonna make a huge impact dude i i worked at hot topic at that time and when (laughs) when we started getting odd future merchandise at hot topic. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Cause I remember listening to those mixtapes and stuff. And I was like, this is insane. Like, this is crazy. And then they got on TV and then all of a sudden, like four or five months later, 
kids are paying $28 for an odd future shirt at Hot Topic. I mean, everyone was dressing like Tyler, the creator. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fashion is still like incredibly acutely informed by the way that dude dresses like to this day. Um, That's because like Gen Z is hooked on Tyler super hard. So they're like obsessed with every move he makes. To be able to make that level of impact on multiple generations is so fucking special. It really is. To to capture multi like a multi-generational zeitgeist as a cultural creator is like the coolest fucking shit ever. Like I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if I like your art or not. I will give you like hella flowers if you are if you are doing that. And that that is to say I fucking I love I love Odd Future. I think what they do is undeniably brilliant. And they even had that adult swim tie in themselves, you know? They had that oh yeah. What was their uh, sketch comedy show? It was uh, Loiter Squad. Loiter Squad, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that 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 shows up in the in the syndicated content drip that I get from Adult Swim on YouTube, um, (laughs) which is a very nice thing. Man, well, this has been a really cool conversation, and I like the fact that it, um, as like literally all these conversations do now, because it's sort of become our calling card it's like moved in a it's it's just moved in like a cultural studies theory direction and um i just think that like this show is a great great uh platform for that because it is so synonymous with everything about culture from that era and there's because we're in we're in nostalgia mode now about this very specific time mm-hmm. there's just so many ways to tie it into the current day yeah. and um I love it. Any any last words from anybody? No, I think I think I've said my piece. Well, this is a great squad, and I definitely want to want to have this this roundtable revived again for for other episodes. I know that y'all have thrown various episodes at me that you want to be on, and I have kept a running list of of those things. So if like if you if you mentioned an episode to me, I have uh, documented it, but. I, I want to get the specific squad together again at some point in season two. So I'll be hitting y'all up about it, but Sounds um, good. thanks for bringing it home with me. Thanks for making time for this y'all. And um, to our listeners, thank you for being here. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this first season. Uh, please do go ahead and uh, fucking watch the show. If you haven't hit that link in the description, if you want to, head to our Patreon and listen to the old C-Lab episodes because they do live there. And um, wish y'all a great rest of the week and we'll talk soon. Much love. Have a, have a Huel feast. Yeah. <laughs> Eat some Huel. Huel, sponsor us, please. Thank you. Dip your tackies, folks. Hell yeah. Dip your tackies <laughs> in peanut butter. It's been a PSA. Later. See ya. Yeah.